Saturday was a day that held so much promise for U.S. soccer fans. However, it quickly turned into a nightmare. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, Ivis Galarsep. How's it going, man? It's going pretty well, Garrett. It's uh, you know, it's the day after the nightmare, and I know uh, a lot of U.S. national team fans or a lot of U.S. fans in general just spent Sunday, uh, you know, mourning what what was just could the, the worst scenario possible. Uh, the U.S. loses to Mexico in dramatic fashion, and then the U23s fail to qualify, at least for now, for the Olympics. And uh, it's just not a whole. <laughs> it's just not there's a lot very of few, yeah, there's talk. very few the, positives. The, the, to the take. song that comes to mind is like, "Ain't no sunshine when he's gone." Like that. That's <laughs> like that's like the theme song right now for for uh, American fans. But hey. It was an unbelievable game, and I know, and this is like this is hilarious to me because so after the game, I'm like I, I talked about how for me it was the best, it was the best game of the 18 I've covered USA Mexico games. Better than the World Cup. It, well, here's the thing. I mean, that game. I mean, let's face it, that's the World Cup. But in the sense of everything, in in the atmosphere, the the crowd, uh, the drama, the back and forth. I know Mexico dominated, but. It was still it just everything encapsulated. Now, if you're a U.S. fan, then yes, obviously the World Cup's number one. The Gold Cup in 07 is number two. Mm-hmm. This, you know, losing you no know, you no American fan is going to put up like necess- well, no, I shouldn't say no because I I had some U.S. fans actually agree with me about the game. Um, but as a as an impartial observer, uh, just being there and you were there, I mean, it was an unbelievable. Yeah, the atmosphere was awesome. Unbelievable night, man, and that's that, that's kind of you know we'll get into the game, uh, but for me, I came away so impressed with the U.S. fans, man, because I was there in 2011, and they were they were it was it was awful. It was 2011 was awful uh, in the in the crowd from the standpoint of Mex- Mexican fans just co- almost completely filling the Rose Bowl, like almost completely. And uh, this time around, not only were there, it was clear there were U.S. fans there, but they had a presence. You yeah, heard definitely. That. They took over the stadium at, at points, and and it was great to hear. You know, you'd have Mexico fans start trying to chant, mm-hmm. and then U.S. fans would battle them, and that is that is what you want. That's like the dream setting: two rivals, two fan bases going at it. Now, obviously, the U.S. team didn't hold up its end of the bargain in terms of quality of play, but still, overall, unbelievable, unbelievable, unbelievable event. Yeah, that's my second U.S. Mexico game I've gone to. You know, we went to the one out Arizona uh, a year and a half ago. But you're right. The Rose Bowl was awesome this weekend. The atmosphere is great. And even though it was about 60-70% Mexico fans, I mean, you could definitely hear the US fans throughout the entire match. I mean, there's no way at one point did they get drowned out. Maybe at the very beginning of the game when the US players came out and they got booed pretty hard, but besides that, I mean, the US fans, I mean, dude, they showed up. They did an excellent job and it provided for yeah, a great game. I mean, Paul Aguilar, chances he hits that shot ever again, probably not. But I mean, you three goals in extra time, back and forth. It was it was a great game. It was awesome. All right, we'll we'll get into the game in a minute. Um, but hey, LA was great. Uh, had a great time. Spend the week there. Uh, we got a chance to hang out a bit. Uh, we got to meet some 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 listeners. Uh, and it, I'd say for me, the another there were so many moments this week that that stood out to me. But another moment was the fact that uh, the night before the game, you had the Pancho Villa's army, uh, which is the Mexican supporters group. Uh, they were partying at this one club, and not two doors down, uh, the American Outlaws were having their party, and it was great. There was no drama. There was no, no. problems. There was no fighting. We we actually hit both 
parties, uh, and uh, I'll tell you what, man, I didn't want to leave that Mexican party. Dude, that poncho villa party, pop- that was, dude. <laughs> look, props to that. Look, props to them. Props yeah, to that the, party was. Uh, that- it was popping. It was popping. I got. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I would have stuck around, but hey, I had to. I, I had to. You know, had to go represent. Had to go to the uh, AO party and. Uh, that party actually got good. It 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 it, 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 it was a little slow when I got when we got there, but it the last it, it finished it, strong. It turned it finished up. Strong. Yeah, it did. So so that so from the party standpoint, I think it, we'll call it a tie. We'll call the party night a tie. But still, it was great. It was great. Just to see, I mean, there's just more respect in this rivalry, man. Yeah, and definitely. That, and that's what like you know I know people are like oh who cares it's got whatever well, it's blah, it's blah, blah, blah. it's it's like it matters, man. It matters. It was like what you and I were talking about when we were walking around the stadium. I mean. How often did you and I see like a dad wearing a Mexico jersey and then his kids wearing U.S. jerseys? And we saw that frequently the, throughout the, the entire the, stadium. Look, the atmosphere is changing, man. The, it, it, I mean, I remember being around, being there in 2011, and it was like more hostility. There was more just hostility, and now this time around, I didn't sense that. Uh, at all. Well, in 2011, there was absolutely we'll hostility. But yeah, this year, now, I mean, this year there was respect. Yeah. It was, it was great. It was great, man. And I, I mean, I, I know U.S. fans aren't going to care about that because they're, they're, they're still. Uh, mourning that loss, and they're and they're still hurt, and they should be. I mean, that's rough. It's a tough, it's a tough loss. But uh, let's get into it now. Let's talk. We got to talk about the game because uh, that's you know that's what we're here to do. So, what, what do you think? What do you think of the game, Garrett? Break it down for me. For the U.S., I, look, I, I thought they had their moments. I mean, you just first off, the fact that the U.S. and extra time was able to come back. I mean, credit to Jurgen Klinsmann bringing on DeAndre Yedlin. And Bobby Wood, I mean, dude, Bobby Wood, I just mean, what is going on, dude? He just seems to be scoring goals against every, like, in every big game for the U.S. this year. Um, but for the U.S., I mean, they had their moments throughout the game. I mean, the second half definitely got dominated. But, I mean, when you look at the first half, the response to the Mexico goal was fantastic. U.S. then controlled the pace of the game for a while. I mean, Michael Bradley's free kick, if that goes in, that game totally changes. U.S. came out flat in the second half. But, I mean, look, Ivis, the important thing is, um, the U.S. fought, and, and when you look at the Mexico team, I mean, I think you said it best is, I mean, Mexico, a lot of these players, I mean, this is kind of their, you don't want to say golden generation, but I mean, Mexico has a lot of talent right now coming through the pipeline, and for the U.S., it, we're missing some pieces. We're still able to compete, but we're missing some pieces, but for right now, I mean, Mexico is just the better team, but from the U.S., I mean, there are some positives to take from this match. Not a, I appreciate you being trying to be positive. I'm trying to be optimistic. I'm trying. I'm trying. But, I'm listen, trying. Man. We have to keep it real, okay? Because I'm sorry, this game was uh, was much more dominated by Mexico. Of course, uh, of course. Than that it wasn't just about the second half; it was a majority of the match. And yes, the U.S. had a couple of moments here and there, uh, and definitely in the second half there was a period where Mexico seemed to let the foot off, uh, take the foot off the gas a bit, and, and almost let the U.S. back in the game. But for the most part, Mexico played to their capability, mm-hmm. and I and I said it last week. I said, look, this Mexico team—they are the favorites. They're, they're 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 the stronger team, but it always worked. You know, in the past, it always worked out where the U.S. It didn't matter. They, as a collective, they would find a way to win. Um, but they didn't have that this time. In Mexico, to their credit, they played well. They played really well. Tuca Ferretti, hats off, half salt to him, off to him, the interim Mexico manager. He played this perfectly. I mean, I mean, it just going with the four three three. The three forwards were, were, gave the U.S. all sorts yeah. of trouble, Ton, and, tons of issues, and uh, and and that really dictated the game. That really dictated the game because it forced the U.S. to be defensive. It forced them because mm-hmm. uh, they just couldn't deal with it. And and at the end, and and it, like you said, I mean, the U.S. is lacking some some things, and and this is a strong Mexico group. I mean, let's not forget now, Mexico. Uh, you know, they they had the U seventeen World Cup champion. They had exactly. an Olympic World Cup champion. This is a group. That I mean, this is a time when they should be a strong national team. They should be coming into their own, 
And it's so funny because, it, I mean, this has been coming for a while now where they were going to have a resurgence and you just wondered when it would click in. Uh, and even with the Gold Cup, when you watch the Gold Cup, it wasn't working, even though they won it. I know they won it, but anyone who watched them in that in that Gold Cup, other than the final, that whole tournament, they were they were pretty mediocre. Um, but yeah, now, you can, can say, <laughs> I think mediocre is being generous. They got and, very right, lucky but, throughout the Gold Cup. They got well, obviously they got lucky with some calls, but they were very mediocre. But now they, you know, I get look again. Tuca Ferretti, he he gave them confidence, mm-hmm. uh, and the U.S. they just don't have. We just don't the have talent. The That's just the and, and, but particularly particularly in the prime. Age group in the prime age group where you know when you want to talk about twenty three to twenty nine, um, there's just kind of a void there. There's a reason that you have Kyle Beckham and Jermaine Jones, the Marcus Beasley having to play now still at their older ages, and they're still the best options. And there's a lot missing there. They're, mm-hmm. Clint Dempsey, Clint Dempsey's not a kid anymore. So I mean, that, it's just this is this has been coming for a while. And and not to let Clinton off the hook because he. Had a part to play in this as well, not only on the day, but also with what he chose to do in the Gold Cup. He kind of made his bed. Now he has to lie in it. But it's not Jurgen Klinsmann's fault that this that there's like a void in a generation. And I know some people will say, oh, that's not true. If he had called in X and Y, those guys would be there. That's, and it, like, that's, no, that's, the yeah. there's no like none. Nobody. There's nobody as much as people want to say it as much as, much as people want to think it. There's nobody. And, I, and I'll stand by this. And people can disagree. There's nobody that he didn't call in. That would have that would would have made them win win this game or you know like the gold cup that's we can talk about the gold cup uh, uh, definitely yeah. but for this game he actually did everything right for the most I mean he he put a lineup out there Alejandro Bodoy got sick that was obviously a big blow for them but he put a lineup out there that was you know we were all worried oh at least he's gonna start Vincent Alvarado please say he won't do that <laughs> so he put the lineup out he needed to put out the lineup almost everyone expected once we knew Bodoy was sick. And then he made subs that worked. He made subs that made an impact. So from that standpoint, he did well. But again, he made his bed with the Gold Cup, with going with Brooks and Alvarado, and you know, not and not, nothing against Brad Guzan, but the whole you know, Brad Guzan's got to be our guy. Tim Howard went away for a year, so he's got to be the number two now. And I'm not going to say, oh, Tim Howard wins them the game on Saturday, but it's all, all this stuff matters. The Gold Cup matters. Jeff Cameron wasn't there. Now I'll point this out. Jeff Cameron uh, asked to to be given the summer off. This yes. is what I know from yeah. my from I think it's come out my by now that he's been asked. But the impression that I get talking to people I talk to is that part of that they're part of the deal with that was that Cameron didn't feel like you know Klinsman rated him. He, like they didn't have like Klinsman did not uh showed Cameron much love over the past year and and you know what if you're Cameron and you get to a point where hey you know I got to worry about the club my, my club career mm. and and I'm going to take this this summer off if if Cameron was completely buying into Klinsman he would have been there in the gold cup and he should have been in the gold cup he should have started in the gold cup Matt Beasley should have you know been starting in the gold well, cup well that that's that that that's the gold cup that's in the past Ivis. right no but the point is if they took care of business in the Gold Cup, if they took care of business in the Gold Cup, we would not have even had this game. But it is what it is. Um, you know, I, my, my getting back to the main point is: look, Mexico is very good. Yes, the U.S. is at a point right now where we could be seeing, uh, we, we could be getting ready for a lull. Yes. Uh, well, look. I, I guess. I guess. I guess. The, I guess the positive. Tell me who's ready to take over. No one is. I mean, no one is. But I guess I guess my optimism is with the World Cup qualifiers coming up against, you know, St. Vincent, we should get some easy wins. Get some confidence going, Ivis. 
That's, <laughs> I know. The, I know. Players that are ready now. Who are the who are the twenty no, no something that are step in? Well, this is and that's the crazy part for me. And I and I wrote this for gold for for gold dot com. You know, as much as Beasley, Jones, Beckerman, you can still say they're the top options, but like you almost have to you have to cut the court. You have to you have to start grooming some other guys. You have to have a little trial and error. Um, because how long are you going to hold on with these older players? And now I wonder, does Cl- can Klinsman do that? Is Klinsman f- going to start feeling the heat so he can't afford to play younger guys? So it's all it's all a bit of a mess now. He's going to have to try new players. I mean, you just saw the U.S. in transition um, in the game on Saturday. I mean, Ky- Kyle Beckerman, who, you know, I, I wish he was, I wish everyone, I mean, you, I wish you could make Kyle Beckerman 10 years younger because, I mean, he's long-term options, what you need. But, I mean, he's just not the player what he used to be. And, and Michael Bradley... I mean, Michael Bradley can't do everything on the field, and you, and you just see that the the gap that's missing right there between um, the midfield to the forward. Well, there were position. a lot of play. We're, let's not let's so not pinpoint Beckerman. Let's not, listen, let's not pinpoint Beckerman. No, I'm right? not. I'm not. I'm not pinpointing him. And how about how about wait? Where was Clint Dempsey? I, I, that's what I'm saying. Where's Clint that's Dempsey? That's what I'm saying. The, and, and, the transition and, and, from US up the middle of the field, which should be the spine of the team, it was lacking major on Saturday. Right, and with Dempsey, man, I, and I said it on Twitter on the the, the night of the game. He looked like he was sick to me, man. He looked—he just did not look like there at all. I mean, he—he he was invisible, man. And he, and and, we're, and Dempsey's normally a big game player, so I think it's going to come out at some point, maybe, maybe this week, maybe and maybe it'll come down down the road that Clint Dempsey was sick on the night because I, otherwise, like, how do you explain him just being? I mean, I know he's been—he's been hurt. He's been working his way back to 100. percent But man, that the way he looked that night was mm-hmm. just not—just not great. Well. D- not just that night. I mean, Dempsey hasn't been great for the U.S. over the last couple games, actually. I was. I mean, Dempsey's. I mean, you hope you hope that nothing's serious wrong with him. Maybe maybe he's having a low, but I mean, Dempsey has not been good for the U.S. this year. He hasn't been. No, he hasn't. But I mean, again, it's just getting back to the game. Uh, as a as a collective group, it's it, you know they did show fight. Mm-hmm. They did battle back. They did. Uh, respond well to that first goal, and because I tell you what, when Mexico scored that first goal, you're thinking, "Oh, this, is this going to get ugly?" Is well, especially the way they scored it too. Right. I mean, it, may, it, it was it was a little too easy, yeah. but it, the U.S. response was great. It was great to see uh, Bradley and Cameron. Man, they I mean, they were from they were for me the the class of the group, the mm-hmm. class of the team, and uh, you know you're going to have to build around those guys. Cameron needs to be your center back for a while. Beasler and Cameron, I think they they showed well. Um, but I don't know, man. They, they need some flair, man. They need some, uh, uh, and you know, it, it, who's coming? Who's ready now? I, I, know. I don't want to hear about uh, like Vinny Phil Harbor. God bless him. The guy's been amazing in MLS, but he's not the guy. He's older. He, he's not. He's not a kid anymore either. And I don't know if he's necessarily. When you want to talk about 2018, I, no, right? Um, well, and, and it's so funny because you looked at that generation, that Olympic generation, and we were like, oh, hey, there they go. Maybe Emerson Hyndman. Maybe. Uh, maybe these guys, and now and now we have questions about them. So. That's, that's exactly what I was going to so, say. If they, if they if they win the Olympic qualifying, I was all of a sudden you're like, hey, start bringing these guys up. But with that loss against Honduras, I mean, it just throws even more salt on it. Saturday was just was Saturday the worst day for U.S. soccer, Ivis, of all time. I mean, I'm thinking about it, man. It, it, it's it, it's hard to think of a worse day. I mean, really think about. It. I mean, it's it, two losses. I mean, it's one thing to lose once. Um, and I, I can't as long as I and I've, I've been covering the team since '99. Uh, I cannot remember a worse day at all. The 2011 Gold Cup final was pretty bad. That was pretty bad. That was probably 
Uh, well, you know what? Yeah, and also, well, hey, 2006, 98, uh, the 98 World Cup, the 2006 World Cup, yeah. they were atrocious, uh, both those tournaments, even though, hey, the tie against Italy was, was, was nice. But no, <laughs> when, they did. <laughs> when, when we had an own goal, very fortunate own goal. Anyway, that's how you remember that game. Well, anyway, that's how I remember that game. You're, you're, you're unbelievable. But uh, no, anyway, they, no, that yeah, this stands above the rest or below the rest is the worst. Yeah. worst day in, in U.S. soccer history. Yeah, well, there's just that huge gap, you know, and it it starts with the U23s, not not this edition, but the previous one, not qualifying for the Olympics. It's deeper I mean, than none that. None of those it's guys not, have shown. I know. That's what I'm saying. I mean, none of the. It, I mean, that that age group's it's, done. It's there's no players. This is an issue from the cellular level. We're get, this the, the, the player development from the bottom up needs needs work, man. It of course, work. well, the, well, the this whole is system. not a new thing, but I mean, it's a uh, you know, and anyone who wants to pin all of it on Klinsman, I mean, man, this there's been stuff going on for a while, and <laughs> and other countries are catching up. Other countries are doing well. I mean, Honduras, look, Honduras with the U twenty threes, that Honduran team. It this wasn't a complete shock. Honduras beat them in the Tulum tournament, so that like this was kind of. There was a little foreshadowing there, right? Anyone who saw the Talon tournament, the Honduras showed then, like, hey, they got something. This could happen. This could be this could be a problem. But anyway, back to the Gold Cup. Uh, rough rough day. There were a couple of positives, but overall, pretty just just a nightmare. Yeah, it was. But that's the thing, Ivis. Though when you when you talk about when it goes down even further, that to the core. I mean, that that then that's the problem. And and this is why sometimes I think it's unfair that everyone sticks this on Jurgen. Um, with the well, decisions that he make, I mean, he, dude, he's not there. Revamp- I mean, he's not there coaching all these academy teams. I mean, some of it has to go on the development of soccer in this country. The players that are called up to youth teams. I mean, I can think of so many players off the top of my head who are called up to youth teams that they get up called up to the U seventeen, U twenties, and then that's it. They're done. They never get called up to the senior team. I well, mean, it's because the, a lot of them just don't. Develop. That's what I'm saying. The, the, the system the, in the in this country right, is not right. is not running at full steam. Right now, no, but. Let's let's not act like Klinsman isn't at a, has some some blame here. I mean he he definitely deserves some some blame. Uh, he definitely has his share of blame in all this. And and I mean you 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 were there. Uh, I mean I had a chance yeah. to ask. I had, a, I had and this is the thing. He's never accountable, man. Dude. And and like one time, how about one time, you sit there and you just uh, like are accountable for anything. He's never accountable. And I mean I asked him. I asked asked him flat out uh, after this game on Saturday. Uh, what can he point to, uh, you know, to, to to give fans some reason to be optimistic after a nightmare day on Saturday? And uh, his response was kind of a bit of a head scratcher. Now you you have the audio, so you got you got to let the listeners listen to that. You're getting on a day like today with two really tough losses. There's going to be some sense among U.S. fans that there's not progress being made. Uh, what would you say to that? And what would you kind of point to right now to kind of maybe? ease the fears of U.S. fans right now who might feel like the, the program's not making progress? Well, uh, fair enough. I mean, to, to have, uh, obviously, your opinion and, and the way you look at things, you know, and uh, I don't want to make any excuses here you know, for what happened in the Gold Cup, but I said it right away at the Gold Cup that the Gold Cup was heavily influenced by referee decisions. That's why we had this game tonight. Now, we didn't win this game tonight because they scored the last goal two minutes before the end of of the game. Now, obviously, um, it was a bummer to see the Olympic team not, not win today as well. So, um, you can have your own impression there. You look back the last four years, what we did, well, what we went through, and there are not only positive moments. Well, like we had 2012, great year, 2013, great year, 2014, get out of the group of death. And now, and now we have a tough one this summer. 
uh, and that's part of it. So, but I leave that up to you guys. You, know, you can get to your conclusions, no problem. Dude, Jurgen, man, dude, just that question and all the other questions. I see is so good at deflecting and not answering the question. Yeah, I mean, he's just like to bring up the goal cup officiating. Oh, I, that's and I, like, that is so I, random. I, that, that, that was like, like really yeah. it's about that? Like, come on, like, like stop, stop it. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, I don't know. Like, here, here, so here's my thing, and I, I think I've said this before. How you feel? Like, I don't know what his, I don't know what his approval rating is now, but it's obviously in the tank. It's in the toilet. Uh, I can't imagine on Tuesday what it's what's this, what the scene at Red Bull Arena is going to be like. I think there's going to be a lot of cleansmen out signs. And that was another thing. Saturday, that was a little weird to me. The TIFO, the American Outlaws TIFO, was of Jurgen Klinsmann. Uh, you know, it was like an ode to Casino Royale. He, had, he was holding up two cards and it said Dos Acero. And it was kind of like, I don't know, it was weird. It's like, here's a coach who, you know, isn't necessarily killing it. And you make him the the subject of your tifo. That 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 one seemed odd to me because now here we are, the next day. Like it's like get the like. I feel like ninety five percent of fans want him gone. So that thing. Really? I, I don't that, think it's that high. Okay, maybe not that high. I, it's probably you know what it is. Like the people who want him gone are very vocal about wanting him gone. Yes. And a lot of people who have had issues like from day one. It's it's you know it's Christmas for them because they're they're eating they're loving it now. It's like ah see I told you the guy doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, and he 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 deserves that. He deserves the criticism that he gets now. I'm you know, am I ready to say, hey, he should go? If put, put, if he gets fired tomorrow, I'm not gonna bat an eyelash. But at the same time, if they want to give him more time, it's not surprising me either. Um, I've always I'm I'm always willing to give coaches a little bit more uh, a little bit more of a leeway. But I think it comes down to this: if you think the World Cup was a good event, a good tournament for the U.S. Then you, then I can see you like not feeling he should be fired yet. If you came away from the World Cup thinking it was not good or that the U.S. was not good, and there are people who think that, then of course you're going to think he should be fired because the World Cup was, you know, that's what he hangs his hat on to this day. Is he did he U- did mention that? He, of course he did. Uh, he, when, the group when, of death. The when group someone of death. asked about good years, he, he said. 2013, 2014. Oh no, it was my question. It was my question. He brought up all these. He brought up all these. All these years and the World Cup and the group of death. He brings it. He the group of death. He mentioned the group of death. Right. So that's what it comes down to. If you think they were good at the World Cup, and a lot of people think they were good at the World Cup, and not just U.S. fans, but globally in in the uh, in on the international scene, Europe, South America. The U.S. impressed at the at the World Cup, and I know some people refuse to believe that. I know some people think, "Oh, that's not true," but it is. It's absolutely true. The U.S. turned heads at the at the at the World Cup because they did. They they were on the verge of beating Portugal. They beat Ghana, uh, and you know Germany pretty dominated, but Germany's Germany, the World Cup champion. But I mean, I don't know. Like I, that's that's what it, that's what it boils down to. If you think the World Cup was 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 a success for the U.S. Then, then you can understand why. Okay, give him a little bit more time. But for me, I have no issues with anyone saying, "Hey, he should be fired." Well, I thought the U.S. did very well at the World Cup, so I'm okay with keeping Jurgen. I guess the question is, you know, how, how much longer is that leash going to be there, though? You know, do I mean you string a couple more losses here or there? Does that get even tighter? It's you just kind of wonder, Ivis, if anything could change and then US has to go into Russia with a coach with a year with the team or maybe I would, less than I, w- I listen I would say this uh where there, there was a time not too long ago when I when I would have thought the guy's untouchable there's no way he won't be in Russia 
But now things are different, man. Things are a little different, especially if they don't qualify for the Olympics. I know they still have a chance. They have to win two games. Um, but that that's that, a mountain to climb, and it's not. That's not an easy I one. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, no, right. You can't say the Canada games a gimme. No. Um, and then the Columbia game in <sighs> Rio. I mean, that's that's gonna be you know that's gonna be pretty crazy. Uh, but yeah, if they if they if they don't qualify, then that's another big strike against them. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt about it. Okay, I, well, I feel like it's like we've dissected U.S. soccer as a whole enough. We we actually do need to talk about the game. And I did mention, and you give me crap for it, that there were a few positives. Bobby Wood scoring the goal, that was very nice. Michael Bradley was a beast. But I miss Bobby Wood. I mean, when he went into the game, you're kind of like, uh, could Bobby Wood really do something? I mean, he scores a goal. Oh, Bobby Wood, man, I'm falling in love already. Talk about a big game player, man. He and I know. Look, those no. were friendly. Those were friendlies in June, but it's still going on the field against Netherlands and Germany and scoring goals. And when he scored that goal against Mexico, I swear I thought it was Clint Dempsey. I just I have seen that run before I, I, a ton of times. Clint Dempsey make that run, make that finish, and it was Bobby Wood. And and that's great to see. You know, a young a young forward who's really coming into his own and. Um, you know, you've always thought he has ability. The, uh, he, he puts himself in good spots. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the finishing has always been a bit of an issue, but now he's playing regularly on the club level. He's gaining that confidence, and he's you know he's a promising prospect. And overall, in terms of who did well, I mean, he was definitely one that who did well. I thought you know, obviously DeAndre Yedlin, even though he had some defensive yes. issues, he was a little bit of a maniac all over the field. But that, he made some positive things happen. He, uh, he provided that pass, which was very. I mean, he was very patient. It was a very nice pass. Right, he did good. I mean, he, he did well. The U.S. I don't know, man. They just looked like a tired bunch. But there was, some, I mean, how about Jermaine Jones, by the way? What happened? What got into him with the skill moves? I mean, he was trying to just skill guys left and right. I mean, when did that? Like, I've never seen him even try it once, and he was doing it the whole game. Yeah, he did well. Um, he did well on the outside. He ran, I mean, he ran out of gas late, as did uh, like half. I mean, all the older guys. I mean, Beasley. I mean, I was shocked that he stayed in as long as he did. I mean, every time it was ready, it was the time to put a sub in. When when I tell you what, when Klinsman brought in. Uh, Yedlin for Fabian Johnson. I was kind of shocked by that because I thought Beasley was done, man. I thought Beasley was for the the, the image I had of Beasley because he was not tracking, he was not racing back like the, from the seventieth seventy fifth minute on. He was he was he looked a little dead. Uh, he reminded me of you know the, in FIFA in the old Fifas when a guy is hurt and, and like the, and he just walks because he can't run. <laughs> like and and that's what that's what that reminded well, me well, of. F- uh, Fabian Johnson. He was also struggling too. Yeah, I mean, he, he, well, he has to come out. He, he, to come he out. had a weird game. I don't want to say he had a bad game, but he just had a frustrating game. I mean, he made runs, but it didn't get any. I, I just that, I, the, that's he, the kind of game. Yeah. It's supposed to be one of the best players on the team. He's supposed to be second or third best. I mean, in the top three right now in terms of in their prime, playing in a top league, uh, having had great games in the past. Obviously, in the World Cup, he was excellent. But you expect Michael Bradley to do well. You expect Fabian Johnson exactly. to do well. And Dempsey to do well, and then if you don't, and then Johnson and Dempsey just didn't have the kind of games you needed them to have. Um, also, Josie Altador, I, I thought he did okay. He I, didn't do badly. He I didn't thought he had badly. moments. I mean, you know, he a couple times he muscled players off the ball. I, actually, my one gripe from the U.S. game, though, I noticed in the second half on U.S. in the air was horrible on fifty-fifty balls. I was shocked by that. U.S. did not do well when Guzan would clear the ball. I mean, Mexico seemed to win the ball every single time. It's about second. It was a lot, a lot about second balls. And Mexico was definitely, they were quicker. Mexico was, they were, they, they were more fresh. They were, they were quicker. Um, they're younger. They were younger team. They are, they are a younger team. And I think it showed. I think it showed. Never mind the skill, which obviously, I think they have a. It's clear they have a skill edge there. Um, but 
usually in the past you, you expect the U.S. to dominate from a physical standpoint, and they did not dominate uh, from a physical standpoint in this in this match. You know, I, interesting thing going forward, Ivis, is what's going to going to happen with the goalkeeper position. I don't think Guzan had a bad game, but now what happens with is it now a reopened competition between him and Tim Howard? Mm, I don't know, man. I know Tim. I know Tim is sticking around. I know Tim's not going anywhere, and he's going to fight for that spot. And uh, he's he, anyone looking at it objectively when you watch how they play in the Premier League and where they are right now, form wise. Tim Howard is the more informed goalkeeper. Yes. Now you can say what you want about last year, his season at Everton last year, which you know you, you got to think there was a little bit of a World Cup hangover there. Uh, but he's come back strong this year, and he's playing very. Tim Howard's playing very well. Uh, and you wonder, you wonder if Klinsman will make that move. Um, but that's so, that's so not like the issue. Like that's so like the, there's so many bigger, bigger question marks about this team. Well, maybe some of those questions can get answered as the U.S. has a quick turnaround. They're facing Costa Rica in a friendly, as you said earlier, at Red Bull Arena. Uh, Jurgen Klinsmann did make some roster changes. He's bringing in five new players. He also released eight players, players he's bringing in. Um, mostly MLS base, Rex Shea, Lee Wynn, Mix Disgrude. And then when you look at the guys who have left Ivis, no Nick Romano, no Demarcus Beasley, no Matt Beasler, Clint Dempsey's not there, Michael Bradley's not there, um, kind of letting some of the older guys go. So, I mean, the game against Costa Rica, I mean, it's going to be an opportunity for some of these younger guys to, to have, some, have some big minutes uh, for the U.S. Yeah, it's a bit of a strange game, right? Because obviously, look, you want to let the older guys go. Uh, you want to give the younger guys a look. But you feel like this team in the program needs a win, right? I mean, yeah. they need a they need a win. So it, it, you know, obviously, you're, you're already going to have a bit, bit of a younger squad. Uh, you're still going to have you know you're going to have a top goalkeeper in there. Josie Atsudor is still there, um, so it's not going to be a full B team. Um, but yeah, I'm curious to see some of these guys. Bobby Wood, you want to see him start? You want to see DeAndre Edlin start? Um, Lee Wynn is in. You wonder how he gets to fit. Fit in Andrew Wooten, I believe, was called in as well, and he's a yes, guy who's, who, who, who's doing well, and uh, he's doing well in Germany. So it, this is a tough game, man. This is a tough game to talk about, just because you know there's still that hangover of the loss. But hey, this Costa Rica team is no pushover now. That that's that's the tricky part. Now, if Costa Rica runs the U.S. you know out <laughs> of the building, it's all of a sudden what the hell? We're not even the second best team in the in in Concacaf anymore. Um, but no, I mean, I think it'll be good to see some of these uh, some of these younger guys and see what they can see what they can do. You know, that means ninety minutes of uh, Ventura Alvarado with whoever he's going to be next to. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's wow. Yeah, I mean, probably that's yeah. I mean, he's the future at least. Klinsman, at least until uh, you know the 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 U twenties uh, develop. And look, as we saw in the in the Olympic qualifying, maybe they're not quite ready yet. Uh, which shouldn't be a shock. These guys are, you know, seventeen-year-old Cameron Carter-Vickers and twenty-year-old Matt Miazga. They have, they need time to develop. So that's why Alvarado, right now at least, is going to have that opportunity to develop. All right, Evans. We have to talk Mexico. As we all know, Tuca Ferretti was the interim coach for Mexico. They have now made it official that Juan Carlos Osorio will be their head coach moving forward. A lot of speculation over this for the last two two weeks. Evans, this kind of really came as no surprise. No, not at all. I mean, it's it it it, it wasn't a surprise in that like, people, we've already kind of known we've known it, but it still is a surprise in the big picture, right? It's still it's still kind of resonating. I mean, I had a chance to talk to Tim Howard about it um, 
on uh, on Friday, I believe. And he actually even admitted, like, you know, he, he was re- – uh, and as for some background, Tim Howard worked with Osorio when Osorio was with the Metro Stars back in 2000 and 2001. And uh, and he even said, and you know, they both lived together, uh, or they both they lived near each other in Manchester when when Osorio was working at City and uh, Howard was playing at Man United. And and Howard even said, you know, he read he read that Osorio was getting the job, and it didn't even register to him that it was the same guy. He was like kind of surprised by that. And Josie Altidore did the same the same thing when I uh, asked Altidore about uh, Osorio, who coached him with the Red Bulls. He also was shocked. It, it's a, it's shocking. It's it really is shocking. But I think it's great. I mean, you know, I've known the guy for for 15 years now, and I can tell you, man, he's a he's a he's a good coach. He's a good coach. He's he's one of the smartest guys I've ever I've ever been around in the game. And and his he's someone who's really kind of realized uh his potential as a coach uh down in south america and i know a lot of american fans don't follow south american soccer so they had no idea what he was doing down there but clearly the mexicans were aware and they saw the work that he put in down there and uh for me i think he's a guy who's going to be perfect for them just because right now they have a lot of talent right now they're stacked when you think about it they they have midfield options they have forward options their defense is pretty good um goalkeeper there's a handful of goalkeepers that they could choose from he he is the guy he is the right guy when you have so much talent and you're trying to interchange guys and 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 figure things out with finding the best combinations i mean i think he's going to be a good guy for that um and but like i said uh, let's said before and i've written before it mexican the mexican coach job the mexican national team job is one of the most volatile in the game because there's so much interference from the federation, from from people in within and around the federation, so we'll see if they let Osorio do his job. And if they do, then this Mexican team could actually, I think, could realize its potential. And we talked about this a little earlier: the U23 men's national team falling two to zero to Honduras in the semifinal of the Concacaf Olympic qualifying. Um, Ivis, this game for the U.S. after we saw them in the group stage look. Look really fantastic. I mean, they really weren't playing the greatest competition, but it looks pretty good. This game against Honduras, the attack was not there. They they, they looked sluggish throughout the entire match. I mean, it was this was just a really really poor game for the U twenty threes. I'd say what man, I feel like I've seen this before uh, with these youth teams. You know, they get lulled into a false sense of security, beating up on some weaker opponents, and then they go up against a tough team and then they lose and. Uh, you know, when we said at the last episode, I said, you know, reminded people that, hey, this Honduras team beat the U.S. in the Tulum tournament. So uh, it, it wasn't a complete surprise. That Honduras team that we saw then looked pretty damn good. Um, so it's not a complete shock. It's still obviously hugely disappointing. Um, but when it comes to youth tournaments and youth teams, it's always a bit of a mixed bag, right? I mean, it, it, you hate to see it. Um, I still say this U23 team is very talented. Yes. And, it, you know, in some ways, it, it's more it, more talented than the, the previous group, and there is that continuing evolution. There, it, it, there is an upward arc, even though in the results it's not showing. I do think there's a lot of promise in this group, and and again, they're not done, right? I mean, they can still qualify for the Olympics. They have to beat Canada, mm-hmm. and it, and if they beat Canada, then they have to play Colombia down in Rio, which is not going to be easy at all. Um, and it, but I tell you what, man, it is going to be a crushing blow. Uh, pretty. Uh, I shouldn't say crushing blow, but it's going to be very sad if this group doesn't get a chance to play in the Olympics because there's so much talent in this group, and you want these guys to get that experience of playing in an Olympics. And I think, uh, actually, this is a group that I think a year from now um, 
could be could be hitting a peak when you have a lot of these guys who are going to have that much more playing time. Mm-hmm. Now we do have to cast some blame and and maybe point a finger and ask questions about Andy Herzog and how he handled this team because you know, let's not forget he made the decision not to call in certain players who he wouldn't be able to get in the group stage, right? And it was pretty clear to look, he he made it, it, it it's understandable that hey, it's a short tournament, it's a small roster. Do you want to sacrifice um, you know, a roster spot or two uh, on guys who can't play in the group stages. And, I th- and, and, and you know what, at the end of the day, you have to wonder if that, if he made the right decision here, because for me, Rube, you know, as good as uh, Jordan Morris and, and Jerome Kaisvetter, uh were in the group stage uh, against weaker opponents, you know, where were they in, in this Honduras game? Right. And for me, Rubio Rubin is a guy who I think they should have held out a roster spot for. And the sense you get is that his club team didn't want to release him uh, for the group stages. And and you wonder who else that applied to. Andy Herzog made it clear that he that he did not want to make exceptions. He only made ex- an exception for Ethan Horvath, uh, the goalkeeper from Molde. But you have to ask yourself if maybe, just maybe, he should have made at least one exception with Rubio Rubin. Because I think Rubio Rubin would have made, made an impact in this game. I think he's an excellent player, one of the best young players in, in the youth system and he wasn't there well and the one thing that you have to take into account i with this u23 team a lot of the talent is on the younger age group on this team and guys like cameron carter vicker 17 years old getting a lot of minutes him as an example I mean, a lot of these guys that got some big time minutes in the service i mean they're 21 20 years old right and i think these guys are going to develop i mean matt miaska he, he still has a lot to learn and i know a lot of people have fallen in love with him uh or over the course of the mls season he's been very solid for the red bulls but he's not the finished product not even close he has a lot to learn he has a lot to develop uh, in his game um and then these other a lot of these other guys too i mean zellum obviously uh people need to take it easy i mean he's not gonna wake up and just be a superstar playmaker at 18 uh he needs to come they need he needs to be brought along and let's not forget zellum Carter Vickers are two guys who can be on the next Olympic qualifying team, the next cycle. I mean, that's how young they are, 17 and 18 years old. Um, but for some of these older guys, it, it was a little, you know, telling that so many there were so many U20s in this group. And you ask yourself, where were the 21 and 20 year old, 22 year olds? Where where was that particular window of guys? Um, and obviously, DeAndre Yellen's a guy he, who was in that group. He obviously was was. Uh, with the CONCACAF Cup. Uh, John Brooks would have been. Uh, he's someone else who's eligible. So, obviously, if you have those two guys, it's it's a little bit different. But you, you, you should still have enough talent to to get through, to qualify. And it, it's still a major, major disappointment mm-hmm. that, they did, that they didn't. And hopefully they can. It's a tough mountain to climb. Think about this, Ivis. The U.S. 23s play Canada on Tuesday. U.S. men's such team plays Costa Rica on Tuesday. Imagine a scenario where both the teams lose again. <laughs> that 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 yeah that will be, talk about finishing them <laughs> off. Uh, I t- uh, yeah, can- Canadian fans are licking their chops right now because they they know it would just be a crushing crushing blow to to knock them off. And hey, that Canada team was not, was not a pushover. They gave the U.S. some fits in that game, so it's not going to be a cakewalk. Um, you 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 you'd like to think that the U.S. will get off the mat. And and play well because they know they have to. This is a must. This is there is no second chance here. They have to be Canada, uh, and they should be Canada. They are. They they have. This is again. They're a more talented team than the Canadian team. They should be Canada. But who knows? You know. You know. With a young group, how do they respond 
to the disappointment of Saturday. Um, but yeah, I, I tell you what, man, if both those teams lose, it's gonna the the, the yeah, it's gonna the the fire cleansman momentum is is gonna reach a, a fever pitch even more than it already is. I just believe it. There was a MLS game played this weekend. Montreal Impact defeated the Colorado Rapids one to zero. Drogba with his ninth goal in nine matches. The guy's been um, lights out since he's come over. Uh, but for Montreal, I mean, look, this is a game they needed to win. It's Colorado. All three points in this match uh, created some nice breathing room for them um, since Orlando City has been knocking on the door. So Montreal Impact defeating Colorado 1-0. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't uh, – obviously, this was like the uh, the forgotten match, right? I mean, I don't think anyone's paying much attention to it except for, obviously, fantasy MLS players um, like myself. Um, but it, it's uh, – Montreal, they had to win this game. I mean, let's let's – Let's not uh, try to paint it any other way and, and say it was oh, this amazing result. I mean, it was a, it was an absolutely needed needed result, uh, and it, it, we'll see if they can build on it because they still have two tough games to play. If they lose out, that opens the door for Orlando City, who has two winnable games. So it's it's far 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 from over for Montreal, but they've definitely put themselves in very good position. And Drogba, what can you say, man? The guy is an absolute beast. Yes. Captain of my fantasy team, just crushing it. Well, I, I guess the good thing for Montreal is they actually now have a week to prepare for the next for the next game, so they can actually rest this time. Because I mean, there was a time I was when it was two days rest, three days rest, two days rest. I mean, they actually can rest for a week, which I'm sure could only obviously benefit them. Right. I mean, they're, they're a team that's uh, been pushing it to the brink uh, the last month or so, just with so many games. Uh, and look, credit to Morbiello. You know, he, I, I think he's done a pretty good job of, of managing minutes and uh, trying to keep them fresh for this final part of the season. Um, and obviously, they they could have closed things out sooner, but I think by resting players and and, and keeping the group fresh, um, it's not only going to give them a, a chance to qualify, but it will give them a chance to do something if they make the playoffs. Because it's one, you know, you don't want to kind of burn yourself out just qualifying for the playoffs, and then when you get there, you're done, you're toast, right? I think this Montreal team is is in a position now. Where if they qualify, I think they have enough in the tank to make something happen in the playoffs. Hey, and going back to the U.S. game, I got to say, Ivis, we were all talking about this. We had a good time in L.A. this weekend. My fingers are crossed, and no offense to all the other teams. I hope L.A. gets to host the MLS Cup final again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they're, they're, not a bad, they're not a bad shout, you know. I mean, I think the Red Bulls are looking like a team that, you know, if they can keep playing well, they – they're looking like the most likely supporter shield winner and host of the final if they get there. But, you know, the Galaxy always seem to find a way uh, to host. So uh, I'm not going to say I would be upset. I mean, I, I don't even know how many MLS Cups it's been now. I mean, I feel like I've been to six six or seven MLS Cups in L.A. Um, but I don't know, man. I don't know if it's going to happen this year. I think uh, I think the Red Bull – I think this could be the, the Red Bulls year to get to the final. I don't know, man. I don't want to jinx them, but um, they're looking pretty good. But L.A. – L.A. was a good time, man. We had a good time, and for and for and, and we have to tell the people, I ha- I have it. Um, you had your first Peruvian food experience. I took I took uh, Garrett to Mario's Peruvian, which is my my favorite uh, Peruvian restaurant outside of New Jersey or Peru. It's uh, in L.A. in Hollywood, and it's excellent quality stuff. So you tell me, Garrett, what did you think of your first Peruvian food experience? It was good, man. I dude, I was so full. I, I seriously like. Did not eat till this morning. It was so good. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised. I didn't know what to expect. I, mean, I you know, I, I yeah. If you asked me before, what was proving cuisine? I, I wouldn't have been able to tell you. But it was awesome, man. 
Yeah, we did. We, just so everybody knows, uh, I gave him the proper experience. What we did was we ordered. Uh, we ordered. I think it was five. It, there was four of. There were four of us there. I ordered us five different dishes, and then we kind of just did it family style. So everyone got to to taste all the different things. So you you, you had you had uh, lomo saltado, tallarín saltado, chaufa de pollo. Um, you had a uh, jalea, which is a uh, fried seafood. You had it all, man, and it was good. It was good, man. Yeah, it was good, dude. I I was. I think I, I feel like I'm still full from it. We ate. So, we ate. So there was so much food. Another convert. Another convert to the Peruvian food. It's good, man. Uh, I'm gonna. Have, I'm gonna have to enough check it out in Phoenix. Yeah, there's a good spot in Phoenix. That's the one well. thing. Whenever I'm with you on the road, I always eat well on the road. <laughs> That's right. I always find the good places. I know. We, I've like I've never had a bad meal since I've ever. Like, whenever I'm with you, we've never had a bad meal. No sir. But uh, that was so. That was a good time. And also the uh, Friday night, it was good to kind of hang out with some. Some colleagues, we had, there was a media mixer the night before the game. And also, obviously, meeting uh, AO members and uh, Pancho Villa's army, hanging out with them. Well, again, excellent party. Uh, I'm looking forward to the next uh, next time you can we, we can party with Pancho Villa's army because they, they know how to party. Actually, highlight of the night on Friday night before the game was the fake Jurgen Klinsmann guy who showed up to the media party. <laughs> Dude, for, for, there's this guy who, I swear, out of the corner, if you see me, peripheral vision, I mean, you would think it's Jurgen Klinsmann. I mean, he's tall, lanky, has the nose, has like yeah, the he, smile. Okay. He has a bigger nose thing. than Jurgen Klinsmann. Let's be real. Let's be Does honest. he? I, I, I don't oh, remember yeah. that. Absolutely. Absolutely. But anyway, but yeah, that was that was pretty funny. Everybody was taking pictures with the guy. Um, I think he works for Concacaf. Actually, I think he's. Uh, I think I, I was told he's Canadian. But uh, but yeah, I don't know if he's going to want to look like Jurgen Klinsmann anymore. I don't think. If, 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 at least not if he's going to be hanging out in the U.S. Because. He could. Uh, he it's could the, it was he, the funniest thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. But oh, look, overall though, L.A. Great time in L.A. Great time in Irvine. Uh, you know, hanging out in Orange County with the uh, the U.S. was there all, all week training, um, and it was cool just to hang out with the L.A. soccer people. Man, the, the L.A. soccer scene is 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 a great one, and it's only it's only getting better. I mean, L.A.F.C. is is going to be in uh, in action pretty soon. You know, they they already have their. Uh, front office working uh, to try to kind of put their stamp on the market there. So, um, I got I got an LAFC scarf. Did you? I was nice. I was handed one. I met the yeah, right, I met I met someone in the organization was, and he gave me a scarf. Where was I? Where's my LAFC? Wait, maybe I have one. I don't see, even know. This I is, see, this is the thing. I, I mean, you know people. I also know people. You know, I, was, <laughs> I was hanging out, you know, in like the executive uh, press boxes. Look at you, baller status. I know, man. You know, you know me. I'm, I'm shaking it, everyone's hands, saying hi to everyone. See, see, see. For everyone to know, uh, to know what happened on, on game day, Garrett wore a suit. Oh, I, I looked, uh, I looked good. So he was looking like a, a Concacaf official, uh, walking around uh, the Rose Bowl. Admit but, that I looked good, though. You look pretty sharp. Uh, I'd say you look pretty sharp. I was, I was telling, I was telling Ivis. So I was like, with, with, with the suit and the credential, like, did he even bother checking? I was like, oh, this guy's in a suit. Let him yeah, go. Yeah. Gary walks around like he like he owns the place. <laughs> it's great, to see. but uh, no, it's good times, man. And uh, I mean, you know, it, it would it would be uh, whether it's L.A. or New York or anywhere, you're going to be at MLS Club. We got we got to make that happen. Of course, yeah. My my fiance's birthday. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> yeah, right. she's turning 31. I mean, <laughs> whatever. You do, why would you tell everyone how old she is? She's going to love that. I just want to let everyone know that I'm dating an older woman. I thought that would get you're, me. You're getting points really in. reckless as we count down to your wedding. I know, dude. I've no, I've I have noticed that. Yeah. By the way, everybody, Garrett's getting married in January. We'll we'll give everybody the registry info so our SBI listeners can start buying you stuff. Oh, thanks. 
really didn't register anything. I don't know. I'm not a gift person. I hate asking for gifts. I hate giving gifts. Let's hey, maybe you know what? Maybe they'll uh, maybe the SBI show listeners will buy out the registry like uh, like the Sporting KC fans bought out. I think it was Matt Beasley. Yeah, it was Matt Beasley. <laughs> they, they bought out his registry, uh, Bed Bath and Beyond. But uh, yeah, no, we'll make it happen. <laughs> Let me tell you, registry that was. <laughs> It's an awkward thing. It's an Dude, awkward thing. what happened? With what? what? You know, it's what? like you get old and like all these things happen that, you know, you're like, oh, pff, that's 20 years away. You know? I think Garrett's having second thought. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying. You know? The walls are closing in. I think that's what like, it is. You know, I spent, I, spent, I, spent, I spent a Saturday doing registry stuff. I mean, what? Welcome to adulthood. Oh, man. This is what happens, man. I know. All right, all right. We're losing. Everyone's probably like, we don't want to hear about Garrett's pathetic life. I was. We should close, <laughs> close out the show. Anything else we need to talk about, my man? Uh, no, that's it, man. I mean, I, I would just uh, kind of close on this note. I know it's not. It's, I know it's a tough time right now to be a U.S. fan. Absolutely a tough time. But what I would say is that you know times like these and moments like Saturday are are the moments that are going to make the success sweeter, and the U.S. will have its time. The U.S., there will come a day when the U.S. fills the Rose Bowl, when the U.S. has the larger group at the Rose Bowl. I mean, I was so impressed with the difference between 2011 and 2015. And when Bobby Wood scored that goal, the U.S. fans took over the Rose Bowl. The Mexican fans were silent. They were stunned. And the U.S. fans were chanting, and it's all you heard in the Rose Bowl. And that was an unbelievable moment. And even though the U.S. lost – you still have those moments. You still have that moment, moments like that, Cameron's header. Those moments are, are what you, you kind of live for. Obviously, you live for, live for wins, but you also live for moments. And even Beasler, Matt Beasler, after Matt said it, it's th- that moment after Beasler, after Bobby Wood scored that goal, is one of the best moments of, of, of his career. And I got to say, I, can't, I have to imagine that a lot of U.S. fans, a lot of AO supporters, a lot of American fans that were in that stadium when Wood, Bobby Wood scores that goal – that feeling they had for those however long, many minutes before Paul Aguiar's golazo, that, 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 I mean, that feeling, man. I mean, I'm not a, I, I'm not going to say I'm a, like a, I'm not a, a U.S. national team supporter, but I have to believe that was an unbelievable feeling. Now, the pain of the loss is not going to be easy to get over, but you know what? What goes around comes around, and I think the U.S. will be back eventually, but I'd say, you know, you might want to buckle up because it's, it might be a rough time in the media future. That goal was just ridiculous. <laughs> oh, I, Paul Aguilar's goal? Oh, my gosh. I mean, that's what one was of, it? like... It, you got hats off. Look, hats off to him. An amazing goal. It, it, what was more absurd? The goal or his celebration? Like, oh, he like, yeah, ju- jumped into, like, the sideboard. <laughs> he didn't know what to do to himself. He just... And I would say this, right? And I, I thought this... I have to make this point. It shows a lot. It shows you the how much more this means now, how much more this rivalry means now to Mexico. Because 15 years ago, 20 years ago, the rivalry didn't mean anything, didn't mean that much. And, and you know, there was a disdain, there was a hate, but there wasn't a respect. Uh, the Winning these games wasn't as important. But when you see Paul Aguiar on the ground sobbing, he was sobbing after he scored that goal. It shows you what this means, what it means to him, what it means to his teammates, what it means to the Mexican fans. And that's great to see, man, because this rivalry is at that point now where it means the world to both sides. And that's great, man, because it wasn't always like that. And 
obviously as a U.S. fan now, you have to acknowledge that Mexico has taken back the mantle. They've taken back control of the region. But this all happens in cycles. It does. So, it's, not the, years, of, it's not, in, the in, it's in, not the end of the world. In two years, we keep saying how, how Mexico soccer is down. I mean, I feel like we were just saying that two, two years ago. I know, exactly. Now Mexico soccer is in the dumps. It's horrible. Yeah, two years ago. Barely qualified for the World Cup. Two years ago, they didn't even like they qualified for the World Cup. Two years ago, the U.S. had to bail them out to get them into the World Cup, right? I mean, they put Graham Zussi, Denada, with the goal. Let's not forget, that was only two years ago. So right now... You know what? Stand up. You know, give them their credit. Applaud Mexico. They're in a good moment. They're a good team. And Josie Altador said this, and I have to echo this. He said it during the week. He said it before the game. Mexico being good is good for the U.S. And U.S. being good is good for Mexico. They 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 lift each other up. And that rivalry is going to make both of them better. Right now, the U.S. is in a bit of a tough moment, but doesn't mean it's going to last forever. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, with that, Ivis, it ends the show, man. So uh, you have a good rest of the night, and I'll talk to you uh, later this week when, uh, when we'll be uh, recapping uh, another double loss for the U.S. on Tuesday. <laughs> Hopefully not, man. Hopefully not. <laughs> US, U.S. fans, uh, they, they need a little positivity. They need something a bit to cheer about. At least one team winning. At least one. <laughs> hey, you know what? The U-17s. The U-17s I know are they going start. It's coming up. The, the U seventeen World Cup's coming up, and that is, and I hate to say it because it always sounds like we say it all the time. That U seventeen team is very talented. Joe, uh, you know what? Christian Pulisic, he's a few. I mean, for me, he's a future star. Joe Gallardo, Haji Wright, they got some talent on that team. They're going to be a fun team to watch. And so, you know what? Maybe that, maybe they'll be the team to spark the the, the belief in, in U.S. fans. Maybe that, maybe maybe it's going to come down to the kids to to, to kind of restore a little faith. <laughs> what else is there? What else you got? There's nothing. There's nothing. Let's just give up. What's the point? Times are hard on the Yeah. <laughs> all right, Avis. I'll let you go, man. You have a good rest of the night, all right? And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. If we saw you in LA, it was nice beating you. That is Ivis Clarsep. I am Derek Cleverly. This is the SBI Show.